Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joel Kraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to have you with us another Wednesday evening where we have the opportunity to reflect upon the life and thought of one Pope Francis. Uh, as you know, if you are a faithful listener to this radio program, we are journeying through joy of the gospel. And if you are listening to us for the first time, we welcome you. We are uh, working through this great apostolic exhortation, the joy of the gospel, an exhortation which is really centered on this, this vision that is the new evangelization. This has really been a building up towards a deeper understanding of this great mission and vocation that has been entrusted to the church. 2,000 years later, we are made to take up this task anew, this task of evangelization. And as I do each and every Wednesday, I have Bob Cross joining me to reflect upon this great document. And so, Bob, it is great to have you with me another evening. It's a joy to be here, Joe. So, Bob, we are not going to be so much in uh, where Pope Francis is in the news. I thought we would maybe deviate a little bit from that so we can take up the whole of this subchapter. Uh, yes to the new relationships brought about by Christ. We've got six paragraphs here, Bob, that are rich, and I want to make sure that... Uh, we are clear on what Pope Francis is talking about because the message in these paragraphs continue to hammer home what lies at the center of the new evangelization, what is the essence of our task when we evangelize, and that is being present to one another. As Pope Francis uh, likes to say, to build up this culture of encounter, that word, encounter, which is so important to all of us, uh, certainly that encounter with Jesus Christ. What then does Pope Francis say in light of this subheading, yes to the new relationships brought about by Christ? I think really what lies at the heart of this, Bob, is this need to be present to how we think we are advancing in all of these new modes of communication with social media. And in light of this, he says, uh, not so fast, my friend. <laughs> and what he's telling us is, yeah, we may be advancing technologically. We may be increasing in these modes of communication, but at the same time, he challenges us. We are losing our sense of how to communicate. And, and Bob, it's just not uh, the technicality and, and how we insert acronyms into our texts, but something so much more, something so much bigger that in these advances in all of this social media that you and I have talked about a great deal on this Wednesday night, this Wednesday program, ultimately what is being lost is that ability to actually listen, listen to audible words. And moreover for Pope Francis, the ability to truly be present to one another. And in many ways for Pope Francis, uh, he says this is a great shame. This is an outcry towards Christianity because we were not made to be present to one another just through technology. And so there's a great challenge that lies underneath paragraph 87 and its subsequent paragraphs. It seems like every week, you know, Pope Francis, um, as we go through the joy of the gospel, 
he speaks to each one of us individually. I know I've mentioned that before. <clears throat> and it's, it's the way that he writes and the way he addresses how we are to uh, experience the joy of the gospel, the new evangelization, and really the heart of the whole matter of this, this entire document, this exhortation. It, it affects each one of us you know, at a deeply personal level in that he's calling us each and every week to take some action. He's, mm-hmm. he's, he's reaching through his words to us in a, at a very, very personal level to, to you know, in, in this particular case, we're going to be talking about some of those means of communication that you mentioned. Um, but he's also saying, get through that, and you yourself have to make that encounter mm-hmm. with other people in order for it to really become the kind of encounter or community that we really need to be all about when it comes to the new evangelization. So it's, it's, it's interesting each and every week that we still come back around to the way that he puts things into context Mm -hmm. individually. Yeah, we can create this false sense of communion. We can ultimately then create this false sense of reality. We can come home from a busy day at work. We can eat our dinner and we can go go up to our bedrooms um, with our computers, our iPhones, our iPads, whatever you may have, and spend four or five hours on Facebook Uh, tweeting, Uh, maybe you go to a blog and you interact with someone and you think you're experiencing communion, something that's life-giving, but all you've done is you've gone upstairs, you've locked yourself in a room, and you've isolated yourself from the real world. Yes, there is a world out there online, and again, that world we need to evangelize with the message of Jesus Christ. But don't let that be the end game. Don't let that be your sense of community, because if it is, then Pope Francis has a message for you. And for all intents and purposes, Bob, for all of us who might spend too much time online, I think we are all guilty uh, at one point or another of spending maybe just a little bit, if not a lot, of uh, time online. So really, his message is for all people all the time. And the message is this, the flesh dwelt among us for a reason. Divinity entered into humanity to show us how to love, to show us how to be present to one another. And so, yeah, what you have then in these paragraphs, uh, Bob, is a challenge to just not be present to one another, but to see uh, the danger in some of these advancements of technology. Uh, And that danger is creating this false sense of reality creating this false sense of community, which ultimately only uh, lends itself to a poisonous isolation that, that renders our heart uh, void of, of what is life-giving. And that, of course, is love. And so um, why don't we, on that, Bob, jump into 87. We'll go ahead and we'll, we'll read this here and then offer up some re- reflections out from that, which will kind of carry us um, through these uh, subsequent paragraphs. Paragraph 87 uh, reads... Today, when the networks and means of human communication have made unprecedented advances, we sense the challenge of finding and sharing a mystique of living together, of mingling and encounter, of embracing and supporting one another, of stepping into this flood tide which, while chaotic, can become a genuine experience of fraternity, a caravan of solidarity, a sacred pilgrimage. Greater possibilities for communication thus turn into greater possibilities for encounter and solidarity for everyone. If we were able to take this route, it would be so good, so soothing, so liberating and hope-filled. To go out of ourselves and to join others is healthy for us. 
to be self-enclosed is to taste the bitter poison of eminence, and humanity will be worse for every selfish choice we make. Yeah, <laughs> ultimately, what he's saying there is uh, is pretty clear. And again, it's it's layman terms, and I, I think it's when we read him, he's telling us that we are in a situation globally, nationally, locally, where we are comfortable. And we've created a situation where we think we are doing what God wants us to do. But he is having us think again in very simple terms. And so, uh, yeah, part of this is, are you really living in a sense of communion? Are you really entering into what it means to be in relationship with one another? Ultimately, what we are made to see for Pope Francis, especially in light of the subheading, again, these are new relationships brought about by Christ. What does he show us, Bob? First and foremost, presence and the flesh dwelt among us. So as he wants us to see the personalism of, say, a John Paul II, where we are called to encounter Christ personally, we at the same time are to appreciate that Christ belongs to a family, and that family is the Trinity. There's that great quote from John Paul II, you know, God in his deepest mystery is not a solitude, but he is family because he has fatherhood, sonship, and the essence of family, which is love. Jesus himself belongs to a heavenly family and, of course, a human family. And what he then wants us to see is kind of reflect upon that, this whole idea of family, and see it also at once as personal. So paragraphs 88, 89, 90, 91 are about this highlighting Jesus Christ's presence and at once communion. There's a particular paragraph here, I believe it is in 89, where he's talking about isolation. He's talking about how we engage one another, Bob, and he has some very important words and how we think about what our relationship should look like. And I thought this to be very, very important. He says, today our challenge is not so much atheism as the need to respond adequately to many people's thirst for God, lest they try to satisfy it with alienating solutions or with a disembodied Jesus who demands nothing of us with regards to others. So when we see Bob Faith as something that is just reduced to theory and proofs, we have a problem. Behind that atheistic dialogue, behind that dialogue where uh, our atheistic friend comes to us and says, prove to me that God exists. Yes, we need to engage him in dialogue. We need to engage that question. How about respond to the question with a question? Why? And if he says, well, God has not shown me that he exists. How? Get to the heart of his question. And what you're going to find, Bob, is that behind that question is a moral demand that he or she has not accepted. And this is what Pope Francis wants us to see. So he talks about these alienating proofs. What he's saying is we can talk about these external things, but do they point to the internal reality? Do they point to the moral question? Do they point to the moral demand? Often the question of atheism and so many other questions are defense mechanisms. A point we've talked about before in the past, but what Pope Francis wants us to see that is unique to these series of paragraphs is that these dialogues, if they're going to be genuine, if they're going to be real, if they're going to be brought about by the person of Jesus Christ, 
have to get underneath that initial question. Pope Francis is saying, okay, yeah, engage that question, but look to go deeper. Because in the end, <laughs> the faith is not about these abstract theories and proofs. And let's be clear here, Bob, Thomas Aquinas made note of this in his own treatment of the proofs of the existence of God. They're first an invitation, right? An invitation to something, no someone, the person of Jesus Christ. So how can you even begin to talk about faith per se? Minus the response, because the very act of faith is a response of the will. Okay, yeah, we can talk about how God reveals his greatness, his goodness, and his beauty in the creation around us, but that is not the end. It points to something more, and that's relationship with Jesus Christ. And for the person who says they do not believe in God, we have to be able to engage that dialogue with a mind's eye towards maybe what's missing. Not that we make a judgment upon what we don't see, because again, we do not do that. We cannot condemn. We do not judge what we do not see. But simply, based upon principle, ask the question, why? Why do you not believe? What is it that has happened in your life uh, that you do not believe in God? There's, of course, uh, the, the recent movie that has been made, God is Not Dead. And what I loved, Bob, about that movie is how it got behind the question of atheism. That again, as I've already talked about, atheism is often uh, a defense mechanism, a mechanism that protects us from a deep, deep wound that we don't want to deal with, right? And so these are the things we need to be thinking about, and these are some of the questions we need to be asking. As I'm listening to you describe that, Joe, um, it just dawns on me that, you know, as he prefaced this particular paragraph, I mean, he started out by talking about this, that kind of this fraternal, this social media, these means of communication, where... Obviously, we find other people who think the way that we do, or people who kind of agree with us. And it's really easy to kind of turn it on and turn it off and be selective about how we go about, you know, working within terms of these communities. And, you know, <clears throat> I know that with, when you lose that connection with someone in a face-to-face, -face, you know, um, um, dialogue, when, when you can ask the questions with the question, as you described, if somebody's challenging your faith or mm -hmm. if somebody is maybe not necessarily, uh, necessarily agreeing with you, but you have that face-to-face -face dialogue, the whole dynamic changes. Yep. It really does. Yep. And, and I think that's what, again, this, again, as I mentioned at the beginning of the program, this reoccurring theme of Pope Francis is he's always challenging us personally to, 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 to be more proactive, yeah. to move forward. And to be, it's one thing to talk about being a Christian with our friends and, and, and associates online or with whatever form of communication. It's another thing to actually prove it by being, you know, proactive. Yeah. To being, you know, to being just something other than just uh, someone who talks about our faith. But actually, you know, being a witness to our faith and doing something about it. Yeah. I mean, we talk about sacred scripture, sacred tradition as these modes of transmission, as these modes of what, Bob, revelation, as these modes of bringing about the presence of God. Good theology is to see all things in light of our relationship with the triune God, Bob, which while it is personal, it is at once at the same time communal. So Pope Francis, just not in these paragraphs, but all throughout, he tells us, and, and I'm paraphrasing here, but ultimately, Come down from upstairs, get out of your locked room, 
and enter into the dynamism that is Christianity, which is making the presence of Jesus Christ known. And that presence is personal and at once communal. That is why I so often talk about this in God for other new identity, new goal. Come to know him so, so as to come to better understand how to share him. Gift task. If we can begin to comprehend this kind of structure of faith, which is simply what Pope Francis is talking about here, what is personal is at the same time communal, we will enter into that greater forcefulness that is Jesus Christ. And I speak of forcefulness again within that context of what is dynamic, uh, what is unique. Bob, he has uh, some very important lines for us on the bottom of paragraph 91, where he's talking about the importance of um, seeing our faith as both personal and communal. Once we remove ourselves from this false sense of community in our room upstairs, and we stop with, with the nonsense that we are all guilty of, as you put it, Bob, with this selective community, and we begin to enter into what a real personal relationship with Jesus Christ looks like, that relationship that in turn disposes us to our brothers and sisters in Christ, something happens. And he highlights this in the bottom of uh, paragraph 91. Pope Francis says, Better yet, it means learning to find Jesus in the faces of others, in their voices, in their pleas, and learning to suffer in the embrace of the crucified Jesus whenever we are unjustly attacked or meet with or meet with ingratitude, never tiring of our decision to live in fraternity. Yeah, so now what is personal becomes communal, and what is communal at once becomes what? Personal. Because if we go to our brothers and sisters in Christ and serve them, what we find is who? But the person of Jesus Christ. And what we find when we find Jesus Christ is the joy of the gospel. There again lies the wisdom of what Pope Francis is talking about. When we proclaim the good news to those who are most in need, what we find is what we need most, and that is Jesus Christ and the joy of the gospel. How many times, Bob, have we talked about going to those who are on the margins, going to those who are most in need? And this just isn't radio speak. This is what lies at the heart of the Christian revelation. What did Jesus say to us? You do it unto them, you do it unto me. Not you do it unto them and you hurt me. Not you do it unto them and, and you know, you make me feel bad. No, you do it unto them, you do it to me. Right? This, the power behind how a homeless person is another Christ ought to uh, get us uncomfortable, Bob. I mean, it, it ought to get us off from our couches and out there serving those who are in need. And, and who is that person? Well, that person who is most in need, that person who God is calling you to serve might be a family member, might be uh, someone at your work. But I can tell you, it is for sure also uh, that person who is homeless downtown, uh, that person you see at your local food shelter, that person you see at your local convalescent hospital. I cannot tell you if there is a greater poverty than loneliness. You know, because even the homeless shelters have their community. But loneliness, Bob, I think that's the greatest poverty. And really, what he's saying in these paragraphs is highlighting that. 
don't betray your brother and sister in Christ with your own sob story. Get out of that. Look into the mirror, seek forgiveness, be reconciled with God, enter into that more dynamic relationship with Jesus Christ and serve him. Stop wasting time. Do it. Go out there, make a difference. And then you'll be able to minister as you are called to minister. You know, and what was the, uh, he's, he's referenced many times as the Bishop of the slums. Yes. Yes. He, he was out there rolling up his sleeves, you know, in his, in his diocese, you know, um, as there, as a pastor of his flock, when he was a Bishop in South America, actually dealing with the poor, just as blessed mother Teresa did. And so you, you kind of, you, you, you feel that in some of the ways that he calls us out as it relates to getting that face-to-face encounter, actually getting yourself, you know, the, the smell of the sheep, actually becoming, you know, part of the way that, that, that smell is, 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 is encountered. And yeah. you, you, you feel that in every, every subsequent, you know, paragraph that we read in this exhortation that, that this is a man that, you know, is... As he calls us out, he's not saying that, you know, we can just get by with, with a certain amount of passivity. We have to really get involved and engaged with those that we want to help serve if we really want to be a true Christian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and there's something else going on here as you're talking about this, and he highlights this in paragraph 92, and I think this might be as as, as important as anything we've talked about, Bob, and that's how we, we go through this healing process as we encounter those who are most in need. I mean, how does one heal in the process of helping others? Well, the more we see Christ in others, the more we're concerned about them and less concerned about us. And that in of itself is like a healing ointment. It has a way of drawing us deeper into our faith. And it has a way, Bob, of removing or helping us deal with wounds. Why? Because we are made vulnerable. Now, why does Jesus call his 12? Pope Francis highlights the community of disciples in paragraph 92. Why does he call the 12? Those 12 cannot be more of a motley crew. Those 12 cannot be any different than one another. I mean, these guys, I mean, they looked at each other, I'm sure, Bob, and thought, what in the world is God doing here? To be put in the same room with people who do not think as you think, who do not see as you see, who do not live as you live. That is a very difficult thing. And what ultimately ends up happening is you, there's a lot of um, friction. And in that friction, uh, we become vulnerable. And certainly this whole mode of, of serving one another, this whole mode of being in solidarity with one another, this whole mode of being disciples and working with each other makes us vulnerable. And in that vulnerability, God heals. In that vulnerability, God heals. We look upon those who are most in need. We see the crucified Jesus, and it is therapeutic to our soul. And in turn, it heals wounds and heals relationships. Now, does that mean that we don't need to go to you know, counseling or go to a psychologist if you're working through something or even a spiritual director? No. But it's interesting. A good psychologist and a good counselor, Bob, will tell you that if you take that person that might be struggling with whatever they are struggling with 
to some sort of service project and have that person engage another person and have that person that you are serving be put in front of you is more important. There is something going on within that moment that opens the person up who needs to be healed in a new and profound way. Yeah, I mean, it's, you mentioned the 12 apostles and you're right. You can bet that if it was today's world, you know, this is not a group that would be all going to the same same Facebook pages. I mean, they would not be, you know, connected (laughs) by any type of social media whatsoever before they were united you know, through Jesus, before they were called by Jesus. But what did they find? They, they found that they did have a lot more you know, uh, in common than they ever really thought they would have by virtue of just the love of what Christ represented in terms of his saving message to each and every one of them. Yeah, and that's, uh, that's an excellent point, Bob, because as we come together, whether we go out in twos or we go out in groups of 12, uh, we all bring our different gifts and, and talents and whatnot, but a, a lot of our sin, the, the, the muck and mire, gets in the way of that. A lot of our selfishness, a lot of our pride uh, gets in the way of seeing how we are called to work together in our various tones and harmony, how we are called to come together as a body of Christ, how we come together as a, as a group of men and or women to serve Jesus Christ. When we are at the service of those who are most in need, Again, all of those selfish desires, all of that pride, it just kind of goes by the wayside and suddenly you're working together and now you can truly be salt of the earth as we are called to. And this again is what Pope Francis, uh, what Pope Francis highlights. So from paragraph 87 to paragraph 92, we move from this kind of introduction into how we are called Bob to see our mission as one where we first need to start with self. And he focuses in on today's challenge of in the advancements of technology and how we can easily isolate ourselves, how we can easily become numb to the world around us because we've just spent four or five hours on a blog or tweeting or on Facebook. He's saying, get out of that isolation, get out of that false sense of reality and be reminded and know that the great Christian revelation as it's about Christian presence, that presence is both personal and communal. And when you open yourself up to that, what you discover is a wonderful world that when you walk through that door, all of those new vistas and avenues will be presented to you and you will see them for what they are. Yeah, at the last of chapter 92, I'd just like to read them the last couple of sentences. He says, Here and now, especially where we are a little flock, the Lord's disciples are called to live as a community which is the salt of the earth and the light of the world. We are called to bear witness to a constantly new way of living together in fidelity to the gospel. Let us not allow ourselves to be robbed of community. He just puts a bow on these last, you know, five paragraphs just so, so wonderfully there. Amen. And with that, we'll close with, with a word of prayer, Bob, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth. Heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 6.30 p.m. If you'd like to hear this program, 
or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.